Hello and welcome to the Level Up podcast. My name is Aaron Petty. I'm a yoga teacher, a teacher trainer, but most importantly, forever a student. My name is Paige Taylor. I'm a yoga teacher, student of Ayurveda, advocate for sustainable living and lover of all beings. Now, our goal with this podcast is to dive deep into how we as humans can live more intentional, ethical and sustainable lives. And also how we can come into harmony with ourselves, others and the earth in the process. And on today's episode, the nature of the mind. Ooh. We're going to dive deep into the yogic model of the mind and how it manifests in our daily lives. Mm, it's such a helpful map. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that in our society, in our modern day living, um, mental health is such a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of that stems due like it's a very simple fact that we don't really give our minds the time that we give our bodies. Mm, and we also don't really understand our minds all that much. Yes, for sure. And the beautiful thing is that the yogis gave us a beautiful map of the mind that mm-hmm. is um, really, really tangible and yep. understandable. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really simple map. So we're going to dive into that. And according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, uh, yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodaha. <laughs> yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. Yeah. But what is the mind? And so, like, we're really going to look into that that question. What is the mind? Um, and. <sighs> I want to just throw a little quote in here. David Frawley says that the human mind is nothing more than a instrument for social development and biological survival. Mm. Something along those lines. David Frawley, if you're listening, don't don't uh, don't quote my quote. (laughs) That was a terrible. It it probably goes nothing like that. (laughs) But what he says is um, that. That the mind is really, it's like this glorified instrument. And um, really, it's its an organ in the body, much like any other organ. Just like your liver is for removing toxins. Mm-hmm. Just like your intestines are for extracting nutrients. Um, the mind deals with biological survival. So, uh, processing through the senses to make sure that we're still living. And... It's what gives us our social capacity. So social development being um, the structure of societies, Mm -hmm. um, hierarchical structures, and it also gives us our identities, uh, which we'll look at. Mm. So the map that we're going to look at today is called maybe just before we dive into that okay like let's just have a look at before this map what what is the mind like in uh you know the most basic setting not yogic philosophy if you had no idea about yoga what would you say the mind is what does it do I don't know, because yoga really shaped my view of the mind. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, really, when I think of the mind, I just think of thinking. Yeah. And that's about it. I just think it's this tool that lives in my brain that thinks. Yeah. I think that a, a lot of people would be under the conception that they are their thoughts. Yeah. They are their mind. Yes. Um, for a lot of people, their mind is them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, let me just say that that can be quite a binding reality mm-hmm. um, to, to identify as your thoughts. And what if I was to say that you're not your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're nothing more than energy coming and going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in a broad sense, mind is thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's our relation to the world around us Mm -hmm. and from a yogic sense they would really just call that ego yeah it's the egoic mind Mm -hmm. um okay can we move on yes (laughs) i just wanted to start with that just to give a little bit of contrast as to what we're about to dive into so the yogic map of the mind is called antakarana and that means the four functions Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's four layers of mind that the yogis speak to 
and essentially these four layers can be split into two halves. So there's a lower mind and a higher mind, and each of those halves can be split into half. <laughs> Equaling four. <laughs> Equaling the four functions of the mind. Um, but we're going to start at the bottom because that's where most people are, mm-hmm. right? And so the the lowest aspect of the mind is called... Manas. Manas, exactly. And manas is also sometimes called... Ma na 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 ma na 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 nas. I think that's a lie. Is that a dead joke? Yes. Um. So manas is sometimes called the monkey mind. Yeah. And it's the part of your mind that talks. Mm. Um. And it it really deals with thinking. It's it's just like the um. I want to say the the mental dialogue, mm-hmm. and whether you've, I want to say right now, just like have a look inside yourself if you're listening to this, and see if you can take a step back and watch yourself thinking in words. Mm. Watch the the mental dialogue inside your mind, and and the things that you say to yourself. Usually, it would go something like this: Oh. I've never, I've never noticed myself thinking thoughts like this before. I've never actually noticed that I talk inside my, uh, inside my mind. How weird is that? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, look at that pretty butterfly. That's that's sweet. And the sun shining through the window. Mm, I'm a little bit hungry. I wouldn't mind uh, an orange or actually maybe a, a a peanut butter sandwich. That would be pretty nice. <laughs> and uh, maybe after I eat the peanut butter sandwich, I'll take it down to the park and I'll sit in the park and I'll lay in the sun and I'll eat the sandwich and it will be, I think that'd be very nice. Oh, I'm, imagine if I saw Sally down the park. And uh, I'm sure most of you have have, have experienced <laughs> something like that in your mind. Yeah. That was a little bit of a long-winded example. <laughs> I wanted to see where it kept going. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does. It just goes all day, right? Yeah. And it can be funny when you hear it out loud. And when we see people on the train um, or in the city that are kind of walking around talking to themselves, we like kind of label them as crazy people, yeah. right? But we all do that yeah. inside yeah. all day. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's even more crazy? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That we just keep it to ourselves. mm and it's like we're, we're kind of ashamed that we're this crazy dualistic person <laughs> inside our head. Um, so that part of the mind, that is manas. Mm. And a lot of people are trapped there. Mm-hmm, for sure. So let's go another step further. Um, so on top of manas, within the lower mind, we have chitta. In some traditions, chitta is considered as the whole mind. Mm-hmm. In this uh, specific map, we label chitta as memory bank, the mm. memory bank. Um, so all of us have had probably the experience of memory, unless you are suffering from dementia or memory loss in some way. Mm. Um, and so this is the part of the mind that projects your previous experiences onto your current experience. Mm. Um, and I think this can be also quite a, quite a trouble. For sure. Um, in the regard that everything that, that you see is not really the truth. It's yeah. kind of flavored by your opinions, your previous experiences, your previous heartbreaks, your previous likes and dislikes mm. and, and, we tend to kind of project these experiences that aren't really the truth um, onto our current reality. Mm, so maybe just like a tangible example of that. Um, you got anything? I'm sure you would have had one. All right, then. Um, I think a good one would be like any time you have some kind of emotional outburst mm-hmm. um, at a person and it's... Um, just like in the past, maybe, what's a good example? Maybe you didn't get much attention as a child mm-hmm. or, you know, someone in your life didn't didn't listen to you fully and, and then 
all of a sudden you're in this new situation and and this this emotion kind of gets triggered where you feel like you're not being heard Mm -hmm. and so you project this past experience onto your present experience and you just start acting crazy for no reason yeah um and you kind of project this past heartbreak or this this past hurt onto your present situation and, mm-hmm. and you you kind of say no actually this is wrong and uh you, you have this big emotional outburst mm. what else could be chitta it could just be like in the past i i know that i ate this apple and it was really tasty yeah um and therefore i like i know that i like green apples mm. green apples good yeah um does that cover yeah it for i you? think that's great happy with that mm-hmm then in higher mind, uh, we have ahamkara, mm-hmm. which is known as the ego. Mm-hmm. And I think that ego can be a really uh, mis- misguided term. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a uh, buzzword. A bit of a buzzword, yeah. You have, he's got a big ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, so ego in a yogic sense is simply I amness. Mm-hmm. It's the part of our mind that separates us from all other things. Yeah. Um, and it really starts from that thought. Yeah. I am. I like. Mm-hmm. I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's it's really the part of us that is a separate human mm. to to all other things. Yeah. And the part that really relates everything to ourselves. Yeah, relates everything to ourselves. I'm going to do this now. I'm mm-hmm. going to do that now. I am talking right now. I want this with my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you. Mm. Um, and I think that the modern sense of ego has been kind of, it's like this inflated ego mm. um, where you're not really living in a reality that's the real reality. Yeah. You're living right in your words. head. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of think that you're in your own world, the center of the universe. Yes, and and really, like, it's the truth of it. Mm. Um, but in a in a negative way, I guess. In a negative yeah. way. So so ego is is really important in the yogic model because yep. it it serves as the individual self. Yeah, and in you know in this map we put it in the higher part of the mind because. At, at the base level, it's our self-awareness. Yes. So without anything attached to I am, it's simply the thought I am. Yeah. Uh, being consciousness that's aware of itself. Yeah. The next layer of the mind is called buddhi. Mm-hmm. And this is our discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, and discernment is really like the inner wisdom, right? Yeah. The part of our mind that says yes intuitively. Yeah. Um, the intuition. Your intuition. And it's kind of the, the part of your mind that is closest to your soul guidance. Mm. It's the part of you that just knows. Immediate answer. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, like we, we ideally want to be established in buddhi, but the problem is that all of the other aspects of the mind are louder. Yeah, for sure. So you can think of it like it's a, a channel mm-hmm. um, or, or a lens. Manas is, is right at the front, mm. talking away. Chitta is standing behind Manas, mm. uh, projecting memories. Then Ahamkara, ego, is talking all about me. Mm. And then Buddhi is behind that, just kind of in silence, watching and saying yes or no. Yeah. But the louder the the lower aspects of the mind are, the less access that we have to buddhi. Uh-huh. And then behind buddhi is our pure consciousness, and I think we've spoken to that in a in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the pure awareness that we are that is our essence. Mm-hmm. And if I were if we were going to give one example to really help you understand all four. In, a, in one example, uh, my favorite example that I've spoken about before on Instagram is um, your grandma making hot apple muffins, okay. right? This is new to me. Yeah. Um, I feel like it might be from one of my teachers. I'm not really sure. Maybe Izzy. 
Uh-huh. My, I'm just going to butt in. One of my teachers has this thing where he's like, the four functions of the mind walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Snick. <laughs> um, anyway, so your grandma's making hot apple muffins. All right. And so, first of all, manas is the part that notices the aroma. Mm. Oh, what's that smell? Oh, I can smell. Smell. Yeah, I, I can, can smell. I can smell. Well, not even I, it's just smell. Smell. <laughs> that smells is, good. It's like primarily the senses. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what we kind of missed out in that yeah. first explanation, that manas is primarily the senses. So, yeah. Oh, what's that Sensory smell? Mind. And then, you know, oh, I can see, you know, like, oh, look, there's muffins yeah. kind of thing. That's chitta projecting. And then chitta. Muffin. Yeah. Chitta comes in um, and is like... Oh, that that smell is apple cinnamon muffins that grandma makes, mm. right? So that that projection of the previous times grandma has made you apple and cinnamon muffins, um, and so you know what that smell is. You know what they look like. You know what they are. Mm. And then you get to ahamkara, and ahamkara is like, ooh. Those are the apple and cinnamon muffins that I really like. Mm. I really like, I like apple those and apple and cinnamon, cinnamon muffins. muffins that grandma makes. They are so good. And then buddhi is this final aspect that just observes all three of those functions in action. So it's this observation of, oh, there's manas going, oh, smell, what is that? There's chitta going, oh, uh that's an apple cinnamon muffin that grandma makes. And then Ahamkara that says, oh, I really like those apple and cinnamon muffins. And mm. Buddhi is what observes that all occurring. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Very, very nice. I think it's handy to put them all into one explanation yeah. and you can kind of grasp it a little better. Definitely. Um, so, in yoga, we primarily are looking to establish ourselves in buddhi, Mm. um, in this aspect of our mind that that can simply just sit and observe and then act when it needs to act and and make a decision when it needs to make a decision. But it's not run by the senses and it's not running off on its own. Yeah. And that's primarily what the the lower mind does. Mm -hmm. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. It never, ever stops. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we use our practice to calm the mind. Mm, Not all practice, but some. (laughs) Some practice to calm the mind. Yes. Um, And that's what Patanjali is saying. Yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. So so when the mind is still, Mm. then there's yoga. Mm. So how the heck do you still the mind? Um... So I think another important aspect to look at is the gunas. Yeah. And the gunas are essentially the qualities of nature. Yeah. Um, and there's three. Cool. So they're, they're tamas, mm-hmm. which is like, decay. Yeah, inertia. I've got a little book here that's got, a, that's got some fantastic descriptions. Darkness, mm. non-feeling, mm. death, mm. the lower or material force which drags us down into ignorance and attachment. So really this quality of nature is speaking to those times where you really just can't get out of bed. Yeah. Maybe you have depression or another mental illness or maybe you just don't feel like getting out of bed today. And there's no part of you that wants to get up. All you want to do is curl up in a ball and stay under the covers. That is tamas. That is tamas in a nutshell. Yeah. Second one is rajas, which is um, movement. Activity. Uh, My book has twilight passion mm. agitation oh yeah irritation it's the intermediate or vital force with which lacks stability or consistency mm. gives rise to emotional fluctuations attraction and repulsion fear and desire love and hate so rajas is really duality mm. um yeah it's it's the movement between and um you a really good way to look at it is um tamas being darkness 
Rajas being the movement between, and then Sattva is light, the quality of light, love, and life. And this is the higher spiritual force that allows us to evolve mm. and evolve into consciousness. And it's kind of what pushes our mind into the buddhi state. So to backtrack just a moment, just going back to Rajas, a you know really tangible example of Rajas is that state of doing where you're just doing, 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 doing. There's no stopping. There's mm. no uh, you know rest. It's just like you're working seven days a week. There's no rest for yourself. You just keep going, keep going, and keep going until burnout pretty much. Yeah. And then their movement into sattva. And then moving into sattva is um yeah it's it's honesty it's faith it's self-control it's um all of the the beautiful good yogic values that we're looking for in our mind and sattva also also really speaks to buddhi and it speaks to just Mm. this state of flow with the universe in a an observing point of view yeah so sattva leads to buddhi yes now the other interesting thing about the gunas is that they all kind of intermingle. Mm-hmm. So there can be sattvic tamas, mm-hmm. there can be sattvic rajas, mm-hmm. there can be tamasic rajas. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they intermingle, intermingle, they're kind of moving us in either the, towards sattva, towards light, or backwards towards um, dark. Mm. Now, to make these tangible i think it's really important to understand what a tamasic mind looks like in meditation yeah um i would say a tamasic mind wouldn't understand meditation um it would just say well i don't see the point Mm. like i don't get it It it's a bit of like a lazy mind yeah yeah a lazy mind and and a mind that's just completely dull there's Mm -hmm. no vibrancy Mm -hmm. um and and to sit in stillness just seems like a waste of time yeah a rajasic mind in meditation would kind of be like "Mm, okay how long have i got left Mm -hmm. Uh, what's next uh, and it, it kind of would need something to grasp too. Yeah, eyes darting around the room, looking at your watch, or even more so on the other side, just constantly thinking, yeah, like going off into a train in, of in thought. Meditation. And I think another thing, if, if a tamasic mind was trying to meditate, they would probably just fall asleep. Yeah. And that was me for <laughs> a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so rajasic mind, like constantly thinking thoughts just racing 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 in your head while you're trying to meditate mm-hmm. um, and that makes meditation really really hard yeah and then a sattvic meditation mind looks like calm contentedness concentrated um, that is the ideal mind for meditation mm-hmm. and it's, it's really the ideal mind for living mm-hmm. life <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But I think like it's an important interjection here is that the three gunas are what make up everything, um, and they They're spawn out into they spawn out into the elements and the doshas and so on. But more so, it's important to know that we all have each of these three qualities within mm-hmm. us, and it's not to label one good and one bad and one bad and one good. It's more just to observe your natural tendencies and yep. to start to work more towards stripping back the layers so that you are coming back to pure awareness. Yes, definitely. And on a mental level, we want to lean. We we tend to lean more towards sattva mm-hmm. because it's it's more pure. And, yeah, and we want lightness of mind. Mm-hmm. We want to cultivate love. Mm-hmm. We want to cultivate the higher mm. um, the higher mind. Yeah. But we need a, a balance of all three. Yes. To make up our own individual self. So, how do we shift our state? Mm-hmm. If you are in tamas or if you are in rajas, how do you shift your state? Tell us, Paige. Tell the people what they want to hear. <laughs> so, if you are in quite a tamasic state. Give us the simplest answer. Yoga? Yes, <laughs> you do some practice. <laughs> we have practices for that. Don't worry. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> so um, I, are we going to go into the practices? Kind yeah, of? for sure. Okay, cool. So we'll start with tamas. Um, 
Uh, so if you're kind of in this tamasic state where you are quite dull, you're quite dark, you're, you know, lazy, just don't really have much going for you, not much motivation, uh, the what we would suggest is a solar practice. Yep. Which or anything that's movement. Yeah, any movement at all, you know, whether it be gym work or whatever, just to get yourself moving, you know, even start with a walk, a 10-minute walk a day. Yeah, um, it's just like get up and do some movement there, get yourself into yeah, readjust. there is nothing that is going to change without movement and this movement really starts to energize us and really starts to awaken any energy that's sitting in stagnant positions in our body and start to get it moving yeah and just as you kind of say this i'm, I'm having this vision of like a a pond mm-hmm. and it's like a there's a stream flowing into it but it's kind of blocked so mm-hmm. the water in the pond being the lake of the mind mm. um, becomes stagnant, and yep. when it becomes stagnant, you know there's algae. Yeah, it gets a bit stinky. Shit grows in there. <laughs> it gets a bit murky. Yeah, it's not very clear. Mm. Um, it's not very clear. Is a good one. And then when you bring a little bit of movement into it, so you bring a little bit of movement in from one side of the stream, that fresh water starts to to pour in mm. and it starts to clear away the murkiness it starts to clear away the algae mm-hmm. that stinky slimy stuff on the surface mm-hmm. um, and it brings a little bit more clarity mm-hmm. and i think this is so important because we are living in a society where it's so important to listen to our bodies which is you know my number one life motto is listen to your body mm. but when you go so deep into these states uh like tamas it can be hard to shake it can be hard to shake and you know movement is the least thing you're going to want to do yeah but you got to do it you gotta pull yourself out of that bed mm. get up gonna get moving mm-hmm. um so we'll just kind of cap that as like you when we're working with these practices and we're working at shifting uh from states of awareness with the gunas You've got to understand that maybe what you want isn't what you need. A hundred percent. And any good yoga teacher will tell you what you need and not what you want. Uh-huh. So if your yoga teacher is handing you fluff balls, wow, you have such a beautiful practice. <laughs> uh, you better find a new yoga teacher. <laughs> and we're right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that, I, I think that's a really good um, little uh Mm-hmm. little sidetrack segue um you want to find a teacher mm-hmm. who challenges you oh yeah and who gives you things that are uncomfortable that help you grow yeah yeah well that's the thing right it's like the lotus if there's the, there's no dirt there's no murkiness there's no being stuck under mud then there's no lotus flower there's yeah. no growth so we have to kind of scrape that murkiness off get up get out there get moving and and i think that's a really accessible thing um even if it's not a yoga practice if it's a hip workout if you go to the gym you do a group class you get out on your bike you go for a run Mm, walk Um, in nature to move out of tamas or stagnation we we literally just need to start moving in any way possible Mm -hmm. and that, that can be hard that can be super hard yeah um so moving forwards if we have a rajasic mind then we start to slow things down Mm -hmm. intentionally Um, and we have we call it our lunar practice that is intentionally focused on calming the mind yeah is is the way i would put it calming the mind Mm -hmm. um so really allowing ourselves to focus on one thing slow the breath right down relax the body right down but instead of stopping the body in in a tamasic way where there's not really any want to do anything we're slowing the body down intentionally again Mm -hmm. to move from rajas more into sattva Mm -hmm. and that can take some serious time and some serious commitment. And I can speak from experience when you are in that rajasic state of mind where you're just do, 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 doing, don't have time for anything, sorry. Um, you don't want to slow down. You don't know how to slow down. Yeah. And 
you know, lunar practices, yin practices, anything that's slow and calming kind of suck. It can be it can be very, very confronting to yeah. be sitting with your mind all of a sudden. Yeah, right. It, it just illuminates. It lo- illuminates everything. And it illuminates the qualities of the mind. And you, for the first time in a really long time, maybe have to sit with yourself. So that can be scary, uh-huh. confronting, all of those things that we try to avoid as humans. But if, like anything, you commit to it, you will see serious progress. Um, and it, it's it's literally like training for anything, like training your body. Mm. You, you need to start with the lightest weight possible. Yeah. And then you can go a couple kilos up, a couple kilos up. Neck minute... You are lifting 150 kilos above your head, like an Olympic weightlifter. Yeah. But your mind is out of control. Yeah. Um, so, intentionally slowing down, slowing down the mind. And that is, for a lot of people, their number one goal with yoga practice. Like, most people come to yoga and they're like, oh, I just, I want to calm my mind down. Mm. And, you know, some people come to yoga and don't even know why. Yeah. But it is because of that. It's because their mind is just la, 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 and yeah. they want a break. Yeah. So that break is where sattva starts to come in, where buddhi starts to come in. And we get that little bit of clarity. Mm. Um, you get those beautiful, perfect ideas just drop through from the universe. Yeah. Ah, that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. That's my moment of clarity and, yeah. and that's what we're working for. But what we're actually working for is that moment of clarity to be our everyday plane of consciousness. Yeah. Sitting in buddhi, knowing what we need to do in each moment and that's a purposeful and powerful life. Yeah, for sure. So Practices for sattva? Practices for sattva would be the higher practices, mm-hmm. so mantra, um, practices that lead us back toward spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, Deep pranayama meditation. Yeah, yeah, and and it's where the higher states of meditation start to unfold. Yeah. Um, so the the senses start to draw in, and and we turn our awareness inwards. Mm-hmm. And this is where. And I think we'll we'll make this into another episode where we talk about prana. Yeah. But we could dive into it just a little bit here. Just a little. Um, so we all have a finite amount of energy mm-hmm. so long as we're living in the lower mind. Yeah. Um, there are nadis in the body, 72,000 of them to be correct. Which are just like energetic channels. They're energy channels. So Mm. the the channels through which energy flows within the body. One that is really, um, really, really important when we're studying the mind is called Chitta Nadi. Mm -hmm. And Chitta Nadi governs the inward and outward flow of prana through the mind. So... If we are in manas and chitta, energy is flowing out of the chitta nadi. Mm-hmm. Meaning that our reserves of energy are flowing out into the senses. And, and this is like anytime you are focusing on social media, anytime you are focusing on eating, tasting, hearing, listening to music, mm. smelling things, watching television anything like that you're actually leaking energy you're giving your energy golly gosh i've got hiccups or something going on here (laughs) you're giving your energy to whatever you focus on you know energy flows where attention goes yeah that is so true it's because energy is pouring out of chitanadi now the ideal of yoga is to be very aware of where we put our energy. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're putting our energy into creating this podcast. Mm-hmm. We are using our minds to create this podcast, and then we put it out into the world, and it helps people. Yeah. Consciously, 
we're putting energy into it, it creates a product. Mm-hmm. If we unconsciously put our energy into things, it just leaks out everywhere. Yeah. It's like there's holes in the bucket mm. or holes in the hose. Yeah. So, uh, contrastingly, it, with meditation, the goal is to move prana back in through chitanadi. Yeah, right. And so the inward flow of chitanadi is the ahamkara and the buddhi. Mm. So, you know, and Ramana Maharshi always talks about or always spoke about the thought, who am I, mm. ends all other thoughts. Yeah. And what he's talking about is absorbing back into into ahamkara, into mm. the, the purest form of ego. Yeah. And that's the essence of meditation, all meditation practices, withdrawal of the senses. So we're drawing prana back in. We're not giving it out to everything out there in the world. We're empowering ourselves. Mm. And the idea is the more prana or the more energy we can bring in to our bodies, the more we can use our mind, this very powerful tool, Mm. to direct that energy at what we want to create yeah what we want to cultivate um and that's the power of meditation yeah once we become clear once we can shift through all of that mental muckiness Mm. hit into buddhi figure out what we want then we can create that yeah immediately Mm. so long as we have enough prana yeah and I think we'll speak to Prana in the next episode a little more. A little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have to have a still mind for that to be able to happen. So we, yes. use, we use asana for the body, pranayama for our energy, and meditation for our mind. Mm-hmm. So if you're in tamas, get moving, running, However you like to move, just move. Mm-hmm. If you're in rajas, you are on your way to burnout. Slow down. Mm. Start to cultivate mental qualities that are calm and still, but not tamasic. Mm. So you want to use your practice in a way that slows you right down and allows you to begin to turn your awareness in. Once we have turned our awareness in, then we can build prana Mm. and we can direct that into what we are ready to cultivate through the knowing of buddhi. Cool. How does that feel? Sounds great. Yeah, it's good advice. Mm. Great. And that's the essence of yoga practice. Yeah. Um, Yoga is a practice of the mind and that's the absolute reality of it. Yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. In fact, it is. (laughs) In fact, it is. So that's, that really is our goal. Like mm. we want to calm our mind down, being the lower mind, so that we can use the higher mind to, to create mass change in the world. Yeah. How? However you need, however you want. But how, like let's ch- chat about like our specific practices that we do to calm the mind. Okay, cool. So in our tradition, there are seven stages of Hatha Yoga. I think maybe we've mentioned them before on the podcast. Maybe. Um, Do you want to go through them? So the first couple of stages are really purification. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting toxins out of the body and getting the body moving. moving and, And, you know, this can be vigorous asana practice, that kind of stuff. The next couple of stages um stages are the lunar stages or the mm. moon stages where we focus on the mind yeah so we start to slow our practice down mm-hmm. focus on the mind then we move into the solar stages sun stages where we start to cultivate prana mm. and then we have the fire stages mm. which are the self-realization stages the the final stages of hatha yoga when we where we fuse ourselves with with spirit yeah beautiful and then we bring that into the world Mm. so it works towards divine will or the will of the universe and um the the betterment 
of the world for all beings. Mm, beautiful. So, let's start with Luna. <laughs> well, while we're here, we're talking about the mind. Let's kind of unpack Luna yoga or okay. moon yoga. All right. Slow asana practice. Mm-hmm. And, and it really speaks to like, so the, the first stage is about purifying the, the body. Mm. And we've, like a lot of us in yoga practice now have done that. Yeah. We've been to the gym. We've tried everything. Our body's kind of fit. Yeah. Um, so lunar practice is a really good starting point for most people. Mm-hmm. And it really speaks to the same thing as purifying the body, but we're purifying the mind. Mm. So what we do is we start to hold poses for a much longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Hold poses for minutes at a time. And after a couple of minutes, once your body decides that it's going to give you the signal of fatigue, then your mind will start to go crazy. We'll start to talk. (laughs) And it'll be saying things like, okay, time to leave this pose now. I wonder how long this pose is going to go for. This is hard. This is getting hard. This is getting harder. Oh my God. I don't like this. I hate Aaron. Why (laughs) is he making us hold this for so long? Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And we all know that talk. Yes, it's very common in, in yoga class. Mm. The, the reason for us creating that kind of mental state is that then we can begin to become aware of it. Yes. And that awareness is what dissolves it. Yeah. Eventually, you get to a point holding in these poses for so long that it doesn't matter anymore and and that part of your mind understands okay well i guess i'm not going to win this one mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a wrangling of your mind yeah it's like it's a crazy wild horse and you want to wrangle it exactly um and that way we can begin to control it mm-hmm. so i think the the major thing with with the luna um sadhana is by sadhana, we mean daily spiritual practice. Yes. Uh, so the, the major thing really is starting to control your mind instead of allowing your mind to control you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's really the basis of it. There's not much more to it than that, but mm-hmm. it's not an overnight thing. Yeah, it's, that's important. It takes important some too. years of practice. Yeah. But once your mind is no longer in control, then the big fella's in charge. Would he? <laughs> yeah. So we use these long holes in asana to calm the mind. Mm. But we also in lunar practice use asana in a specific way. Mm. So we work with folding and twisting primarily Mm. and the reason for this is a the the reason of um prana Mm. so we want to move prana down um one into the body as opposed to the mind Mm -hmm. and then also inwards Mm. so like we were saying before about the the chitanadi prana moving inwards and that bringing more awareness to Ahamkara and Buddhi. Yeah, beautiful. And from a pranic sense, we're looking at apana and samana vayu being mm. the grounding and assimilative forces. And we'll we'll speak about this a bit more next episode. We're going to dive deep into prana, um, but today, so more so about the mind. Um, so, really, we use asana in a way that brings energy. Down, 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 down. (laughs) (laughs) And also with that aspect, you know, when we work with the breath, with our pranayama, we are really focusing on the exhale to do this. Mm. We're bringing the prana down and we're slowing it down. And, you know, this kind of pranayama work really does quieten the mind, calm the mind, get us into our bodies. Mm. And I think that... um, 
The other thing to mention is that it's it's really easy to get into your body in a rajasic way too. Mm. So we're moving into our body in more of a sattvic way. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say like, oh, but my exercise is my meditation. My running is my meditation. I want to kind of suggest that that's more of a distraction. Yeah. You're actually giving your mind something to do. And in in lunar practice, we are illuminating the mind and then asking it to focus on not much at all. Yeah, or the breath. As Yeah, or the, the breath more so, as opposed to the, the constant movement of rajas. Mm. We want to focus on the stillness of, of sattva or the lightness of sattva. And this can be super uncomfortable to begin with, as we've kind of mentioned about before. Yeah, it's like trial by fire. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of part of practice. It comes part and parcel. Tapas is the fire of purification. And, and once the external fire of purification has been burnt out, being that the body's been purified, um, we've cleared all the toxins out, we've lost all of our weight that we need to lose, mm. then there is a chitta agni or a mental fire that purifies in the same way. We have to purify our mind and make our mind just as fit as our body is. Yeah, great. And a lot of people uh, have six packs, but their mind is obese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Completely filled with, with thoughts and gunk and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That's not a stereotype. You can have a six pack and have a calm mind yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to make that a stereotype. No, they'll come <laughs> after you. um so yeah that's that's the essence of our lunar practice a practice for the modern world practice to calm the mind a practice to move us into stillness into lightness into love amazing and from a yogic perspective if you're a teacher and you're just like oh my god um i've been teaching rajasic yoga moving 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 one breath, one movement flowing. Mm. Um, I would suggest one, starting to practice a little slower. Yeah. Two, noticing how it feels for you mentally. Mm-hmm. It will be creating a bit of fire. And then three, looking at how you sequence. See if you can sequence in some more forward folds, some more twisting. Mm. See if you can have the peak of your class like a seated forward fold, like Paschimottanasana. Yeah. It's, it, for me, like coming from a vinyasa background and then moving to like a, a class sequenced around Paschimottanasana, it just like seemed crazy. Yeah, for sure. But it is so incredibly powerful and potent in this day and age. And, you know, on that is that majority of the yoga world is this vinyasa kind of vibe at the moment, modern yoga anyway. And... um it's it's maybe not doing as much good as you think yoga would be. Mm. For sure. So so it's what feels good. And I think we spoke to that before a little bit. Um, a yoga that makes you feel good mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a yoga teacher or yoga that gives you what you need. Yeah, for sure. So if most people are walking around in a rajasic state, being that they're constantly moving, constantly thinking everything's happening all the time and then they move into a yoga class and the the teacher says okay now down dog now up dog now warrior two warrior three step forward step back push up seven push-ups do a handstand if you like if you like you can do a arm balance crow pose headstand chaturanga down dog like it it just adds to that fire and it adds to that rajas yeah in the element yeah. But I think, yeah, it's also important. Um, so, hang on. Sorry. What I was trying to say was it feels good. Yeah, for it sure. It feels good because it's familiar. Yeah. And it feels good because you're already in that state. But it's not necessarily what you need, uh, especially if you're in that rajasic state of mind. And I think it's important because me and Aaron do feel quite passionately about this, that the, 
that yoga does have a place in this world because it meets people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And majority of this modern society is in this rajasic state where it's constantly do-do-doing. They only have time for one hour of exercise a day. And you know what? If that exercise is yoga, great. Mm. You know, it will move them into this yogic uh, way. And then maybe they might progress along the stages of hatha yoga and start to slow down maybe after a burnout or just a want to slow down into these lunar phases where then they can, again, progress through the seven stages. So I would say if this is calling to you Mm. and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, actually, like maybe I need to slow down my practice. Yeah. um, Reach out. And we can suggest you a practice. Yeah. We have probably have some on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have heaps in our online studio. Yeah, we actually have an online studio on our website. It's $39 a month. And we upload four classes weekly to it. And we actually have our classes sectioned off in this particular way where yeah. we have lunar classes. And it's not only just lunar, but it's like a lunar for specific reasons. Lunar mm. for grounding, lunar for heart opening. Luna for digestion. Yeah, for calming the mind. And then <laughs> obviously the <laughs> obviously we have solar and yin as well. But if you yeah, if you feel like you need to really start to move into this phase of lunar yoga, we got you. Reach out to us. We've definitely got you. So I reckon that's about it. It's about all that we have to say to you guys today. So thank you as always for joining us like so so much we really really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us talk for an hour (laughs) we love it (laughs) and um if you took something out of today's episode all that we ask as always just share it with someone that you think could benefit from it Mm. anyone your friend your yoga friend your mom your dad whoever yeah definitely um if you want to stay updated with what we're doing you can find us on social media at levelup.yoga or our website is also levelup.yoga and that's where our online studio is if you're interested yeah and we own a small yoga studio in berwick which is in victoria in australia and hopefully we'll be able to open up in a couple of months yeah maybe hopefully six weeks um and we yeah we run all of our public classes our workshops our teacher training programs uh, from that space in Berwick. Mm. Um, yeah. And we would love to connect with you no matter where you are on your yoga journey. So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out, start a conversation. We love, love, love to hear it. Yes. And there's been so many of you that have been reaching out over Instagram and just saying hello. And, and we really, really appreciate that. So yeah. yeah, if you feel like you've connected to the what we've spoken about, please just reach out, say hello. Um, we, we love meeting people and, and talking about yoga. And yeah, we're big yoga nerds. If there's anything that you like need clarification on from this episode or from any episode, um, yeah, reach out, ask us a question. We'd love to hear. Mm. All right. Om. Om. Much love, guys. <laughs>